This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Good Thursday morning, everybody. I am Glenda Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Lisa Graham in Watsika, Illinois. And you are listening to a special Draft Horse episode of Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network, presented by the Draft Horse Journal for February 1st, 2018. Our episode today is number 1865. This episode is brought to you by the World Clydesdale Show. Hello, February, and good morning, Heavy Horse World. Good morning. As I promised, we are going to have a class that is second to none. We are going to be bringing in the Clydesdales, the Belgians, and the Percherons in the arena. Well, welcome to the show, everybody. It is the first Thursday of the month. As a matter of fact, it's the first of the month and the first Thursday of the month. And that means we have Lisa here brought to us by the Draft Horse Journal. It is Draft Horse Day, one of my favorite days of the month. Hi, Lisa. Good morning. And how can it be February? It just seems like we were doing our Christmas show. I know. <laughs> I know. I was just thinking that, I, you know, Draft Horse Day is one of my favorite days of the month. It's your favorite day every day, pretty much. Uh, draft horse day (laughs) (laughs) absolutely but today it's kind of it's kind of ugly day in illinois it's overcast it's windy everything is muddy where we went from 50 degrees to i think tomorrow's supposed to be minus 12 wow so yeah we're living in that that age where mother nature just can't seem to get it right but wow like i said it's a great time of the year you know it's foaling time so it's always going to be muddy and ugly outside when it's foaling season well i want to i will get to jennifer here what's coming up on today's show and after that i did have a question from a listener about your horses so i want to ask you that first okay Uh, jennifer what is coming up on today's show coming up on today's draft horse journal episode we're going to get your bidder's number out because harley troyer is stopping by with the lowdown on the upcoming and much-anticipated Colorado Draft Horse and Equipment Auction. And Pauline Hessen is going to bring us a behind-the-scenes look at the Iowa State Fair, where she is the horse superintendent. Sounds important to me, so stay tuned for the fray, folks. Iowa State Fair, that is one of the biggest in the country, isn't it? they got like millions of people show it, up for it, that thing. <laughs> it's huge. Yeah, they have, o- they have over a million people in attendance each year, and it has been ranked one of the top five state fairs in America. So it wow. it really is all about agriculture. It, it is probably one of my favorite. It's right up there with the Texas State Fair, you know, in size. Huge. They probably right, exactly. fry everything too, don't they? I think, te- I think they? Tex... No. <laughs> it's just not fried food there. They, they have actual competitions. I, I'm sure they're already starting to announce their fair foods because it is a major part of the fair on what, what the new food is going to be. But there's, you know... People kind of get in a habit right outside the horse barn is the beef hut, and people can can go there. And they're famous for their hot beef sundays, where it looks like an ice cream sundae, but it's mashed potatoes Ugh. and beef, and 
it's amazing. And oh, that then sounds the really rib- good, actually. Yeah. I want it right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's very good. And then just down from the horse barn is the rib shack, and it has some of the best brisket. And Joni oh. comes up with ideas about macaroni and cheese and brisket. Oh. And, uh, yeah. You're I killing me here. It's known for its food. <laughs> and everything on a stick, you know. <laughs> Pork chop on a stick. Everything's on a stick in, in Iowa as well. <laughs> You're killing me. I'm so hungry now. Well, the, I did have a listener question that said, we never hear about Lisa's horses. And, you know, she was right. We never really talk about your horses. So what do, <laughs> what do you got? Well, holy smokes. We just picked up two. Well, we, we picked up two horses yesterday. We bought a, a new Clyde mare. So I believe we are up to 17 horses. And Oof. so for literally a, a mom and son operation, we have... Our hands full. <laughs> seventeen ba- was that day, like seventeen got... bales of hay a day? Oh, it's more than that. More than that, yeah, yeah. a little more than that. But you know, we have um, all the breeds. We we have everything from Clydesdales, Pertrans. We have a Belgian. Um, we have donkeys. <laughs> we we call ourselves the Funny Farm, but we'll we'll be doing good. We're we're going to talk about the upcoming. Uh, Mid-America draft horse sale and my son actually has six horses that are in the barn that are going there that he's fitting to go there so I keep saying once once that gets here you know it's going to cut everything and a lot of the work load down because six horses so we have I was raised with Pertrans here on the farm but we did not show we had work horses and I remember many many fall days were out in the field and we picked corn by hand and we had about five acres that we did a hobby farm with my grandfather and my and my dad and myself and so I was raised with Pertrans and then as I got older I got very active with the Clydesdale Association and so Clydesdales have you know been a passion of mine as well and and now I'm doing a lot of work with the American Shire horse and I run the the Pertrin store to help promote the World Pertrin Congress. So the Pertrins still play a dear part in my life. And right now we have more Pertrins here than anything. I think t- I'm going to, I'm trying to count in my head. I'm thinking 10 of the 17 we have right now are Pertrins. Gail wants to know what's the largest you have. Mm, we have a couple that are going to the Gordyville sale that are mm, at, barefoot. They're probably 18. One so wow. two two geldings at least wow. yeah not easy to throw the harness on. no I was just gonna say you need a step ladder <laughs> <laughs> but we have everything from uh, you know we're expecting two foals of our own uh, my son Austin has two mares that are bred to some outstanding stallions so we we're not going to have foals until uh, I believe March and April just because here in Illinois the weather is crazy. Like I said, it's going to be negative 12 tomorrow. So, you know. And you guys get some mammoth just, deep mud, too. You get you oh get mud season really well. Stars. Yeah. There's days when you feel like you want to just concrete everything. Because, Suck your shoes yeah, off mud. your feet, mud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exa- exactly. And, you know, I kind of, we, we move the feed trough around so that it's not always a mud hole. But, oh, yeah, it's, Mother Nature's been a little crazy to us this year she's either tried to freeze us completely out or mud us out you know welcome to the midwest in in spring <laughs> well now you um so so is his 
your son? Is he in the buying and selling business? This is what he does. So uh, is selling six unusual or not? Well, these are consignments. Uh, Five of them are consignments by other people that he's just taken the horses in. And... You know he's he's been working and training, training. them, and, and so they're they're here just to go to the sale. And he's got one of his own fillies that's that's going to the sale. And yeah, he's kind of gearing up for some of the big shows. He's just seventeen; he's still senior in high school. So his big challenge now is by the time he gets home from school, it starts getting dark here at four fifteen. So he's driving horses, you know, in the dusk and trying. And I bought him some lights to go on the back of his sled, so he. He can uh, drive more into the dark, but yeah, we kind of have a we have a good thing going. I, I'm very proud of him, and people trust him with their horses. And he's a senior. We just went through the senior homecoming, and today he's going to leave for his senior trip. So, you know, mom's having a little remorse today. Lots of lots of senior last moments yeah. going on, but he he's trust me, he's ready to be out of school. <laughs> I was too when I was a senior. So now I do have to ask you what, you know, there's been a lot, you know, talk on Facebook and on the show here and with our listeners uh, and our, some of our hosts all about the, the new rules as far as trucking and the CDL and the, you know, keeping track and the new, the new electronic transponder thingy. I imagine with draft horse people, you have to worry about all of that because you've got the biggest rigs ever. Yeah. And you know what? I think, in my opinion, the saddest thing is, is nobody really has any definite answers. Right. Is it going to be in fact this year? Is it next year? Is it Well, it's supposed to be March owned? at this point. Um, they had postponed yeah. it to uh, March. We're supposed to be, and I did want to make this announcement. We're going to have somebody on, and this will be after we do our Horse Lovers Cruise here in a couple of weeks. We are getting somebody on from the DMV. I forget which state it is. That's kind of an expert in all of this that's going to explain it to all of us. Mm-hmm. So we're going yeah. to, because there is a lot of confusion, but I would imagine with you guys, you know, as long as you're doing this, apparently if you're even doing it and you win a dollar at a show, then you have to, you're, you're considered, you got to do everything. Um, right. And, right. And it will, I think it will hurt the family businesses. You know, here, Austin and I have a nice truck and trailer, but I don't have a CDL. He's 17. He won't have a CDL. He's not even and, allowed to until he's like 21 or something, isn't he? No. No. Yeah. And so I, I think it is, I understand, I understand their thinking behind it, that it's a safety issue. My dad was a truck driver. He just retired this year for multi-millions of miles driven. I understand the concept, but going back now and changing the rules on something that has been established with these families. And yes, in our draft horse industry, there's lots of semis that go down the road. The majority of them are semis. But when you're talking about somebody like my situation where we're going to go to a sale 50 miles down the road, I know that mileage is going to maybe exempt us on some, but just to take a one horse to say the Wisconsin state fair, the Iowa state fair, Indiana state fair, we cross the state line, so we're going to be subject to those rules. And it's, it's going to be very tough on, on the families. The, the, the larger horse operations have their semis, they have their CDLs, they do their logbooks, right. they have everything where they can make a smooth transition, but it's the families that it's I think It's the families with the goosenecks and the, you know. The, exactly. The, yeah, right. And, and is exactly. it something that's been being talked about in the, in the draft horse world? Have you heard conversations on it? It has, but it's back to the nobody knows what the real story is, when the real story is, how, I guess the question is, what's the penalties? 
you know, do you do you drive until you get caught? Do you try to be proactive or do you, you know, the talk out there at a few shows that we did this earlier in January was the same thing. People are just worried about it. It's it's going to be a big expense. And, you know, we uh, and it's so funny because of the the just the strangeness of the rule, because we live in Florida where a 85 year old can drive a bust sized RV pulling another vehicle behind it and they have exactly. a regular driver's license. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's a bus. I've seen that on Facebook. <laughs> I've seen that on Facebook, you know, and, and, you and know, we I've see it every day on the highway and... here. <laughs> every day. <laughs> yeah, I've been on. I've been on 75 a few times. Yeah, yes. <laughs> you know, at the half the highway is uh, those big buses and being driven by 85-year-old ladies. Uh, but, yeah, so that, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why that one is one way, and I don't know. Anyway, the World Clydesdale Show is coming up in just 265 days. It'll be returning to the, okay, Lisa, how do we say it? Alliance. Alliance <laughs> Energy Center. We've said it wrong every single time, and I apologize to the <laughs> Alliance Energy Center. In Madison, Wisconsin, where it was previously held both in 2007 and 2011, occurring every four years, the World Clydesdale Show, powered by Chesapeake Petroleum, is the crown jewel competition of the breed. The power, the beauty, the grace, it's a spectacle like no other. And fan reaction takes the experience to a whole new level. Madison is a great city to embrace the 2018 World Clydesdale Show with camping on site and hotels within walking distance of the facility. More than 600 Bonnie Clydes will be on hand in the -the state-of-the-art facility, encompassing 290,000 square feet of indoor space, enough to even hold a Clydesdale or two. The World's Clydesdale (laughs) Show is proud to welcome (laughs) Chesapeake Petroleum as its official title sponsor, and and it means great things for the Clydesdales. There is an additional $50,000 in premiums that have been pledged by Chesapeake Petroleum's Victoria McCullough. The breed's best will be on hand vying for these premiums and well over 100 competitions. Don't miss the giveaways, the demonstrations, the interactive opportunities, and of course, world-class competition, including the Make-A-Wish Cart Class, all of which will demonstrate the versatility of the world's most iconic draft breed. We'd love to see you in Madison, and so would all of the Clydesdales. They love to be cheered on. Class passes are now available, as are chances at the wagon giveaway. Don't worry, if you don't have room for a wagon, you can opt to auction it off at the end of the show. I always wondered about people who won big things. It's like, okay, how do I get that home? Stay connected as more details (laughs) become available, such as the $10,000 full spectacular at the theworldclydesdaleshow.com including sponsorship information and opportunities, volunteer forms, vendor forms, and more. Updates will be added in the coming months, right up until the horses start moving in. Mark your calendars. It's October 24th through the 28th this year. Make your plans and set your goals. Madison, Wisconsin is the place to be. And the website, again, is worldclydesdaleshow.com. All right. I think your guest is ready. All right. Well, our guest, first guest of the day, I'm excited because I've had a chance over the last couple of weeks to see this gentleman in action. And Harley Troyer, he is the manager of the Colorado Draft Horse and Equipment Auction in Brighton, Colorado. That's just north of Denver. But I've got to see him in a different capacity in the last uh, few weeks when I was out at shows in Colorado, the Big Thunder and the Denver Stock Show. I got to see Harley with his workhorses. And in my opinion, that is 
where he shines in those classes where he can take his farm teams in, whether it's doing the competitions, the log skidding or the feed races, or actually just his great, great, great selection of antique machinery. Harley has just dedicated his life to our draft horse industry. So it's so nice to have you on the show, Harley. Well, thank you very much. It's, it's a pleasure. And I said, it's we have Harley first on our show. It's it's only uh, what about seven o'clock out in your in your neck of the woods. Yeah, it's just a little after seven o'clock, and I just came in from uh, shoveling. We got uh, some snow over the overnight, uh, probably three four inches, and it's overcast and it's uh, coming down pretty good right now. Wow, we have mud here in the Midwest, and. Glenn, he's coming to us from Florida. He told me it was going to be 75 there today. So we kind of have a wide spectrum of the weather today. I apologize yes, to everybody uh, for that. Uh. <laughs> well, I, I always learn some exciting. I learn a lot about our guests, not only when we're talking, but, but reading my pre-show notes. And I had no idea that you were born and raised in Topeka, Indiana. So you were just a few hours away from me. So I kind of want to hear about the journey on how a young man born and raised in Topeka, Indiana, moved out and got involved in the auctioneering business and ultimately bringing us this first class Rocky Mountains sale. So tell us a little bit about your history and growing up in Indiana and making the move to, like I said, the Rocky Mountain state. Well, uh, yes, I grew up uh, in the Topeka area, a mile north and two east of Topeka on a farm there. And as a kid, uh, of course, we went to a lot of auctions. And um, my uncle has been an auctioneer back there, or used to be for 60-some years. So we tagged along and went to a lot of auctions. And as kids, we'd play uh, stick horse. We'd have all our stick horses, and we'd have an auction with our stick horses and so on. And then, of course, later in in years, uh, I worked at the uh, Topeka Livestock Auction, and back then it was owned by uh, Romaine Sherman and Lloyd Thomas. And um, always wanted to be an auctioneer, uh, always wanted to be a cowboy, I guess, and wanted to come west. And so when I was 18, I uh, I left home. Um, actually, I I went. I had an accident uh, prior to uh, taking my physical for the draft, and I had some broken ribs and a punctured lung, and Three weeks after that, I went to uh, take a physical, and, and due to that, uh, I didn't pass my physical. So um, I got a 1Y classification, and they said, uh, you know, we'll call you if we need you. So most all my buddies went off to service, and uh, I decided to go to Colorado. And I was 18 years old, and that was in 1968, and met my wife uh, here in Colorado and got married in 1969, and I was working for... Um, uh, Western Airlines, and of course, the auction thing was always in the back of my mind and something that I wanted to continue to do. And working for the airlines allowed us to fly around the country for practically nothing. And we used to uh, go to the uh, Columbus, Ohio draft horse sale and in the Indianapolis uh, draft horse sale. And so that's kind of how that whole thing started. Well, isn't it funny that both of those auctions? were so important in the day and and now they're gone we don't we don't have the indiana sale or the ohio sale anymore so it's it's kind of bittersweet that they're gone so you you go to colorado you're you're working for the airlines did you actually go to auctioneer school or did was it just something that you picked up from being in the sale barns 
No, it, it, uh, I did go to auction school in 1978. Um, I did go to auction school and, you know, I, I was doing some auctions prior to that, but I, I wanted to uh, further my knowledge and education and grasp everything that I could. So I went to uh, Mason City, Iowa. Um, Worldwide College. <laughs> That's where I went. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, very very uh, small world. Mason City's put out some great auctioneers. Yeah, they certainly have. Uh, at that time, Gordon Taylor was the owner of the auction, and today uh, Paul C. Bear um, is, runs that auction. But there's 132 in our auction uh, class, and it was in December, and it was cold in Iowa, but um, it was a fun time. I'll never, never forget that experience. That was a great experience. Sure. So you, you become an auctioneer and you decided that there was a need for draft horse out in the West. Is that how it started or did you start working for somebody or did you just jump in and buy your own facility? No, it's real hard to kind of get in the auction business. If, uh, if, you know, if you don't know somebody or, um, you know, you've got to have the right connections and so on. So I, uh, but that was always in the back of my mind to have a, draft horse auction, but uh, I did other type of auctions and I um, helped uh, a few other auction companies in this part of the country on farm sales and things like that. And and then uh, decided, you know, we're going to jump into this deal and, and uh, start a draft horse and equipment auction. And of course, there was a lot of uh, skepticism on a lot of people that said, oh, Harley, that'll never work. There's not enough numbers out here and enough interest and so on. But I thought, well, you know, we'll, we'll start out small. We, we got to we got to start somewhere. So in April of uh, 1989, we held our first draft horse auction at the Loveland County Fairgrounds that was over at the old facility. And we had 23 draft horses. And uh, of course we had some carriages and wagons and harness and so on. It was, it was only a one day auction. And then uh, the next year we moved to our current location, which is the Adams County Fairgrounds just uh, south of Brighton, Colorado. And then we went to twice twice a year, uh, April and October. And then a few few years later, uh, we started uh, with the light driving horse mule and carriage auction that's always held uh, the week after the Fourth of July. But we've seen our auction grow over the past uh, 29 years, and going from one auction ring to four auction rings, and hiring around 40 people. Um, and we sell our carriages and wagons and farm equipment harness farm-related uh, antiques on Friday, and then our riding horses sell Friday uh, evening, and then draft horses, mules, crossbreds, halflingers, ponies, and so on on Saturday. And um, and in addition to those auctions, we also conduct a ranch, uh, um, a ranch horse auction at the uh, Rocky Mountain Horse Expo, and that's primarily uh, saddle horses, ranch-type horses, and some crossbreds, and we've do, been doing that now uh, for the past three years. And and then also conduct uh, a few farm auctions and estate auctions. Um, I just retired uh, last year after 35 years working auto auctions. And in addition to Denver, I used to work the Minneapolis auto auction and also worked in Phoenix every week. So that, uh, You're a that, busy man. Busy. Well, and yeah, to see you here. Uh, Pardon me? I said every week you were getting on an airplane and traveling and still trying to take care of your horses at home because I'm assuming your wife and and yourself have a group of horses at home. 
Yeah, yeah, we, we certainly do. But uh, uh, these flights uh, going to Minneapolis and Phoenix were just a, a one day out, fly out in the morning and come back in the evening. So I was home most uh, most evenings. And um, yeah, we've always had any who knows anywhere from uh, three, four, five horses up to fifteen head around here, and so on. I have cut down uh, uh, over the years, and uh, so it's. Um, you finally realize that you can only spend so much time with each horse. And um, so that's, uh, that's kind of the way we've been doing it. Well, I, I would think that sitting on the auction block and seeing these horses go through the sale arena, it's hard not to want to buy every one of them or for you, especially to see the potential of what they could be. Because like, like I said, in the introduction, you're such an avid horseman when it comes to these farm teams that like it would be hard not to try to want to take and justify buying all of them but they're surely in all the horses you've seen go through the ring you've had to have a special team whether you bought it or you sold it is there one team that stands out in your mind yeah there's been there's been numerous teams that come through there that uh, uh and i guess i've always been the kind of person i I kind of hate to buy a team or a horse at our auction. Um, you know, if I see, uh, uh, and I know most are buyers and so on, and I certainly would hate to. I got to ask you. End up with that horse. Are you allowed to? Are you allowed to buy stuff that if you're auctioning it? I always wondered that. Yeah, I, I, I you know, I, I don't know why not. Okay. Um, you know, if. We always kind of made it known, but uh, if, if we do, and it's very seldom that we do, and uh, my point is that I always I, I would hate to be bidding against uh, a, a buyer, and then all of a sudden that buyer realizes or someday sees you with that team or that horse and thinks, oh, you know, you were the guy that I was, uh, you know, I want to I be fair to our buyers and have that uh, uh, open mind to them that they can come to the auction and, and be able to, to buy and they're not competing against uh, the auctioneers. So that's always been kind of a stickler with me that uh, we try not to uh, compete with our uh, buyers that are coming to the auction. But uh, yeah, in answer to your question, there's been many good horses come through there. And there was a consigner for many, many years that really made our auction stand out. And his name is Daniel Stutzman from Milroy, Indiana. And uh, just in the recent years, he kind of quit coming out here. He had some health issues, but uh, prior to that, he always uh, topped the sale. And I remember um, him bringing out a, a, a gray team of uh, five and six year old dapple gray perch and geldings uh, that uh, he could just do wonders with that pair of horses in the in the auction ring. And he just had that gift and that magic that uh, with voice commands and and so on and. And that at that particular time, and I think that was probably about seven, eight years ago, but that team brought uh, 20,200. And at that time, wow. that was the, the, the top top that we ever uh, uh, got for a, a farm team. But um, another quick uh, quick one was uh, Enos Yoder. Um, when Enos Yoder, they, they always have a good consignment auction. And even like last fall, they uh, sold a farm team for 17-2. And... Um, of course, when he hits the ring, there's always uh, a couple of kids riding each horse, and there's four or five <laughs> kids sitting on the seat. And uh, I'll tell you what, you can ring the bell when he comes in because uh, uh, not only are you know his horses are ready, they they look good, they're they're broke to death. That the kids demonstrate them, and 
And so you're off to the races there, and it's always a fun time. Oh, absolutely. It's always fun to see Enos, and and actually his young daughters are the ones that are kind of big into helping to sell these horses because, as you said, they are, they're broke, they're fit, they're ready, they're just ready to go. So you can see from the block, just in these stories that you've just told us, the pre- preparation to get a horse ready for this show ring. Is is there something that you could suggest to our listeners if they're going to be taking a horse to an auction, something that they definitely need to do and something that they definitely need to not do in the in, in the arena? Any advice for helping to get the best price out of a sale horse? That's a good question. Yeah, you know, there, there's many different factors uh, that, that go into that. You know, and I'm always a firm believer that, you know, planning ahead, uh, getting those horses sale ready or show even like a show ready but get them sale ready at home and uh you know plan ahead uh there's been times when we've had uh, consigners call up and say hey harley um we've got this team of horses i'd like to consign and um and so we get as the conversation goes on we ask well how, how are they broke but uh, well you know we haven't driven them in a couple of years but i'll drive them down there to sale and uh you know see how they do and i whoa whoa no, you, you've got to do that at home, you know, coming to the auction and to see if your horses still drive and how they act uh, um, is not the time to do it. I'm, like I say, I'm a firm believer in, in planning ahead and getting those horses uh, in good shape at home, especially their feet, uh, their hair coat, uh, just being groomed and, and making sure that the horses will stand and hitch and step over the tongue and, and listen to you and so on. Um, and of course, you know, a, a good, well-matched team uh, that demonstrates all of this and being broke, um, all those ingredients, that's what makes for a good uh, a good um, price that, that you're going to be getting at the auction. Okay. And and you are the boss, you, you're the manager. There's got to be some gratification, of course, a lot of gratification being the boss and the owner of this, but... Have you ever had to be the nasty boss? Have you ever had to go to a consigner and say, this isn't working, your horses aren't sale ring ready? Or what's the plus and minuses? Because we all go to these sales and we think it runs smooth, but there's there has to be some issues where you, you want to say, it's not fun being the boss today. Well, yeah, that that comes with the territory. And there's there's been times over the... 28 years or so that, uh, you know, you had to go to a consigner and, and just tell him that, um, you know, that this isn't the way that we do it. Uh, some guy wants to come in to the auction maybe. And, and, um, the, the, my, my kids always, uh, tease us and have this saying, because I always say, you know, we're not selling a cat in a sack and, and I want to <laughs> know everything about that horse. And I want to know everything about the consigner. And I'll be very upfront and honest with you that over all these years, there's probably been a handful of uh, um, consigners that I just, you know, flat told them that we, I, I don't need your horses. We don't uh, we don't do business that way. Um, I try to mm-hmm. run as honest and as uh, uh, the best auction that, that I know how and uh, be fair with people and, and so on. And I think that's what's uh, built uh, our business today. Actually, I, I 100% agree, and people respect that 
when they come there to buy horses that they are going to get what what is truly being represented in the ring. But one thing that always draws my attention about your sales is some of the unique farm drawn equipment pieces that you get. Do you have any pieces that stand out? Because I know you are very big in the farm classes where you bring the antique machinery in, but from the old fire trucks to the plows, you have always such a great assortment of equipment. Yes, we, we certainly do. And I, it, it always amazes me where all this, uh, all of a sudden comes from, you know, but, uh, um, during uh, setup day, uh, several days before the auction, all this starts coming in. And even even as we speak today, uh, uh, we're getting phone calls from people around the country, Nebraska, uh, Wyoming, uh, and so forth, where people are gearing up to, to bring in equipment. I just had a phone call from a gentleman in Nebraska that uh, is hiring a couple of semis to uh, bring in several loads <coughs> of uh, nice restored uh, farm equipment that uh, him and his buddy that uh, his buddy passed away, but they decided to uh, dissolve uh, their partnership there, of course. But um, so it's always exciting to see these pieces come in, and it's uh, uh, some of these pieces you haven't, you just don't run onto them every every day, and uh, it's nice to see. And and I'll have to give a little plug to the uh, Tom and Betty Watt auction that we did past uh, this past June, um, and certainly want to thank them for that opportunity. But there was uh, uh, there was a lot of nice pieces that uh, uh, you just don't see every day, and, and the collection that they had put together that was uh, it, it was a nice fun time to to do. Right, right. Well, and like I said, seeing you at some of the shows and the equipment that you bring, it it is actually bringing history back to life because some of those pieces would have just been rusted out in a field or in a shed and never seen again, but people restore them. And, and your benefit is that you are probably one of the only focused on workhorse auctions in that entire Western area here in the Midwest. We have several auctions going on all the time, but you kind of have the area that you are the sole auction that's featuring our heavy horses. Well, yes, and I, I guess I always tell people, you know, when people ask about the type of horses that we get and have and so on, um, and we all try to find our niche in uh, the profession that we do, and I think that's uh, uh, the the work type horse is kind of the, the niche that we fell into. We just, in this part of the country, uh, as you well know, from being out here and announcing the uh, Big Thunder Show and seeing what's out here, we just don't have the uh, the big hitch show horses in this part of the country that uh, you have back in the Midwest and back East. So um, it's mostly uh, farm type horses. And uh, a lot of these uh, uh, dude ranches and guest ranches and so on have teams that they use for sleigh rides and hay rides, things like that. So that that's kind of the, the niche that, that we kind of fell into and, and uh, try to do, but uh, and it kind of goes along with the, the farm equipment and, and and so on. Right. And and like you said, I was out there for the for the Big Thunder show at Loveland. And they have a spectacular draft horse show. But they also have one, after, one morning and afternoon that is dedicated to the workhorses. And those classes have bigger numbers than the hitch classes. Because it, it, to me, it seems like a group or a family that comes together and even though you're competing against each other it is probably one of the most fun 
part of the show because I I just know I get to tease you a lot when I'm on the mic and and you you had a little issue with one of your classes and it's it's okay <laughs> if we say hey Harley you messed that up or you know hey who's coming in next and who's going to run against each other it it at, it is just such a great environment out there but you did have some big wins at Loveland so tell us there was three classes for the wor- working horses. And you went home with two blue ribbons, I re- if I remember right. Well, I think it was one blue and one second place. But, uh, uh, yeah, we, we have a lot of fun. And it's a great uh, a group of uh, people involved in, in, in those classes. And just like at the National Western Stock Show, the same thing. Um, this year, I think, I think the farm team numbers were down maybe just slightly. But if I recall, uh, last year it was close to, to 28 I believe it was. I think this year might have been 24 or something like that. But those classes have really come on. And I think over the years, uh, some of these uh, folks have realized that they can take a team of horses or two and go to a show and have a lot of fun and participate in uh, in some of these shows. And we've just been fortunate to have the right horses to uh, to go and compete in those classes and, and have a lot of fun. Uh, I will say this team that we've been supporting or uh, Sporting here the last uh, three years uh, have done very well for us uh, at, at the shows and, and so on. And um, two days after a stock show, um, Bob and Barney are gone. They, they, we sold them. So um, mm-hmm. that's always kind of the way it goes. Somebody sees them and, and they want them. And, and um, when these horses are, I believe they're, they're 10 and 11 years old. So we decided, well, it's might be time to move on and, and uh, go to the next pair. So, perfect, Lisa. Well, before we run and, out of and, before we run out of time here, mm-hmm. we are running out of time. Um, I have a couple of listener questions that have come in. If if uh, you don't mind, so go ahead and ask your last question. Then I have a couple of listener questions. Well, my my final question was just going to be: You see the industry from the farm teams. We go to the. Sh- shows we see the hitch teams what do you think is in the future for our industry we have lots of world shows that are helping to promote the breeds we include the farm classes at some of these world shows but what do you see is ahead of our industry in the next 10 years i see the market uh, being real strong uh, for good broke horses and again i'm talking about good broke horses um people today uh we, we have a lot of phone calls and inquiries about people just getting started, uh, where can we go, what can we do, what information is out there, and so on. Um, I, I just think that um, the, the way that the, the, uh, the trends are going, um, people are going to – the market's going to be good, and I think the demand is there. The one thing that I see is uh, uh, going back to supply and demand, uh, I, you just don't see uh, um, the numbers out there. And even uh, some of the big auctions around the country, you know, their, their numbers are down um, and our numbers mm-hmm. are down as well as far as uh, the numbers at the auction. So, uh, and I think that's due to uh, uh, not uh, having so many uh, people out there breeding and raising horses. But uh, mm-hmm. I think that in the future, for the next years to come, I think it's, uh, this is, the market is going to be strong. And I think the way that uh, we're all promoting uh these uh, the heavy horses and and what goes with that I think it'll be real good. 
All right. And and my final question is, we all have our favorite auctioneers. So as a person that is in this field, you got to give a shout out. Who is your favorite auctioneer to listen to? Well, I I um I have numerous favorite auctioneers in in different uh, fields and so on, but a couple auctioneers and and that I've always admired and and did admire back in the day and so on. One was uh, Merlin Woodruff. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he was just a great auctioneer, along with uh, Steve Andrews. Um, both of those, they had they have so much uh, charisma and. They're one-liners, and the way they capture the audience and the knowledge they uh, retained on the horses and their bloodlines, and of course their chant always fascinated me. So, I guess those those are two auctioneers that have always uh, come to mind. Um, I know Steve is probably slowing down some, but um, I think we all are. So, <laughs> yeah, um, but Steve um, has actually been on our really? show. Steve was. Steve was- as a guest oh, on yeah. our show, and he he truly is one of the favorites of everybody. We're we're speaking yeah. we're speaking to Harley Troyer of the Colorado Draft Horse and Equipment Auction, and I do have a couple. The listeners are really fascinated with the cadence and and how that's all done. But Kimberly wanted to know: Do you remember what the first thing you ever auctioned was, and how nervous were you? Um. Yeah. Well, I would I would suggest. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say at the auction college, I bet you had to auction off your first gavel. Yeah, we, we did that. But even prior to that, uh, uh, way back, um, you know, I was doing uh, these um, little benefit auctions. And um, uh, I'm trying to think of the name of it that uh, we used to do uh, to, to raise a little money. Uh, and this is back when I was an Amish kid, you know, uh, <laughs> 13, 14, 15 years old. Uh, oh, a box social. That's what I was getting at. You know, the, the girls would make a, a, a box lunch and put it in a shoe box and decorate the box. And then, oh, then the boys would buy the box. And then whoever whoever's box that you bought, you'd sit down and eat with that girl. <laughs> <laughs> but, I like uh, that. That's kind of a neat thing. I yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah. Great question. That's yeah, funny. Yeah, I, <laughs> That's funny. Oh, good, good deal. Good deal. I know, wait, Another question? Yeah, Ed? one more. Uh, let's see. I got a lot here. So um, there's there's still a lot. So when you first start out, all auctioneers have the cadence and the rhythm, but they all have either a sound or a word that's kind of their bridge word. Is that something you really think about, or does it just happen over time? That's Brenda's question. And Lindsay, it, too. It, it just happens over, yeah, it just happens over time now. You know, back in the day, you know, and as a kid, you know, uh, I, I probably formed some uh, bad habits as far as some of the filler words that you'd use that really didn't fit or weren't really appropriate as far as working in your chant. And that was another thing when I went to auction school is they critiqued you in, in some of the things to uh, uh, better communicate to the public as you're auctioneering and in, in your chant. But um you know, what works for one uh, auctioneer might not work for another one. And, uh, you know, one thing that's always worked for me is, is dollar and now. And so you, you kind of incorporate those uh, filler words in your chant. And then, of course, uh, as years go go on, they kind of get shortened up. And, and then somebody might say, well, gee, what's he saying in between those numbers? But 
my thing has always been, and I've always preached to my, our sons are auctioneers and our son-in-law, and I've always preached to them, you know, you got to be clear. If people can't understand you, they're not going to be bidding to you. So that's always kind of been my thing. All right. One more question from a listener, and then we'll, we'll have to let you go. And this is a good question. And we've all seen the auctioneers that are, are basically just auctioneers. And then we've seen the ones that are truly entertainers. They're funny. They're entertaining. Has it been proven <laughs> that if you're a true entertainer, you're going to the, the prices will be higher with those guys? Is, there, is that true? Or is it just what do you think? Yeah, I, yeah, sure. There's there's a lot of truth in that. And that goes back to what I mentioned earlier about uh, Merlin Woodruff and Steve Andrews. Um, I think an auctioneer that that uh, has a can put a smile on his face and has his hand gesture out um, and just kind of reels uh, the people in. And and uh, uh, I'm not uh, big on uh, having, you know, making up big stories on uh, items or horses or try to be funny or a comedian. You know, I don't, I'm not into that. Um, but, uh, as far as little comments and so on, I think it's really important to learn names of people. And when you can call a person by their name, uh, after they quit bidding and you, you, you uh, call that name out, um, and they come right back to you. I think that's very important. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, uh, being a, a, not, not a funny or a comedian type person, but, a just someone that feels genuine and uh, feels uh, honest and, and just uh, you get that feeling. I think that that helps a lot. Well, the next auction is April 20th and 21st, correct? That's correct, yes. And it's TroyerAuctions.com is the website. And would they be able to find all the information there? Yeah, yeah. We're just... Uh, we're uh, uh, daily. We we try to update that, and as time goes on, we'll be adding more pictures and information, and so on. But uh, they can get uh, um, quite a bit of information on that. Yes, very good. Well, thank you, Harley. And we I'll put it on our Facebook. T- okay. I'll put it on our Facebook page as well, and maybe we'll get with Harley after the show and answer some more of these questions, and we'll put them on Facebook. Sounds good. Thanks, Harley. Appreciate it, and good luck at the Thanks, sale. Thanks, Harley. Have a great day. Thank you. You guys do the same. So fascinating talking to auctioneers just because they've seen everything, oh. right? I mean, yeah. and and really, he lives in God's country. Yeah, you right. Go on and Colorado. see those pictures. He's in the mountain. He's just north of Denver. It, it's absolutely yep. beautiful and good, just just a good guy. He and his wife are very supportive of the shows, the youth shows, and just just a great guy. Always excited to learn about him. And I'm now intrigued with the box socials. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. I thought that was interesting. I didn't realize he was Amish to start with. All right, let's hear about our friends at Shipshawana, and then we're coming back. We have another guest. We're going to be go- heading to Iowa next to the Iowa State Fair. And God, if there's any more talk about food, I'm starving. So we'll be right back. <laughs> Shipshawana Harness and Supplies in the heart of draft horse country in Shipshawana, Indiana, is your source for everything draft horse. Their large inventory of in-house crafted harness, halters, and show bridles, showtime blankets, sweats, wagons, and carts, horse care products, and even shoeing supplies will fill the needs of the heavy horse hobbyist, the horse farmer, the heavy horse exhibitor, and the horse pulling competitor. You can find them online at ShipshawanaHarness.com, as well as on Facebook at Shipshawana Harness, or you can give them a call at 260 768 7254. Just ask for Bob. 
Shipshawana Harness and Supplies, your source for everything draft horse. Well, uh, you are listening to the Draft Horse episode here on Horses in the Morning, always one of the top five episodes every month here on Horses in the Morning, presented by the Draft Horse Journal. And thanks to Lynn and everybody over there for putting all of the guests and all the work into getting this set up. You know, there's another sale coming up not too far from Lisa's house, and that's the 2018 Mid-America Draft Horse Sale held February 20th to the 23rd. It's better known as Gordyville. It it's, uh, has a reputation as North America's premier marketplace for Belgians Percherons. And why? Because it's where world records are broken. And, you know, there are a lot of world records broken there. It's a top-shelf event, and it's at the Gordyville USA Auction Center, just one mile west of Guilford, Illinois, and what, 20 miles from you? Not far. Um, about 30 miles from About me, 30 right? miles? It's, you it's could a- walk there. Uh, highway 130. You could drive one of your horses there. <clears throat> <laughs> on Highway 136, hence named the Gordyville Sale, this year marks the 23rd year of serving the heavy horse industry. I was talking about the highest selling uh, prices. Well, there was a Percheron mare that went for $89,000, a Percheron gelding at $67,000, a Belgian at $41,000, and the highest selling Belgian stallion at a mere $112,000. It's the, uh, so by the way, that one's still the most expensive uh, all-time draft horse on the planet. Uh, So now, if draft horses are in your blood, Gordyville makes this, you got to be there. You got to go see this sale. It's a must-see sale. The number of consignments is up this year, includes several extremely exciting horses, uh, both Percheron and Belgians. The sale catalogs are available now for lodging information, a schedule, or go see the details on this year's consignments. Follow them at Mid-America Draft Horse Sale on Facebook. Uh, you can pour over their ads in the Draft Horse Journal or give Vernon Yoder a call at 216 216- Seven two six eight three four four four. It's in three weeks, so get out there if you get a chance and see it. It's definitely worth going to. And I, Lisa, will you be there again this year? Oh, I will. And I'm actually holding the sale catalog in my hand. Yeah. I had a, we picked up several to take with us at the shows, and I had people stop by yesterday to get some catalogs. But when you talk about horsepower, there is almost 500 horses consigned wow. here. And not only do they... Yeah, it, it's crazy. And it's all under they one roof. They sell those in two the days, stalls. two or three days? They put through 500? Three days, yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's, you go day and night. It's it's a great experience. As I said, everything's in, in one building. You can literally watch the horses drive, see them in their stalls, watch them in the sale arena, have lunch, visit with the vendors. It, Gordyville is a one-of-a-kind facility here. It, it's great. And like I said, I'm holding the sale catalog and not only is it have all the horses but the ads in here are spectacular so if you can't get to Gordyville still try to get a book and it's something that you can look through all year there's ads for local businesses there's ads for the different vendors and of course great preview of all all of the horses so it's one of a kind everybody needs to come we to Gordyville, and we've put in our request for good weather. Yeah, we were talking about, I was thinking about that because I was thinking what we were talking about before about tractors and trailers. It must look like a used parking lot of tractors and trailers for miles. <laughs> Just It is. <laughs> the parking lot's huge, and it is full. And the town, the town used to be the home to an Air Force base. Well, the Air Force base closed up about 20 years ago, and the town kind of 
went down because everybody left. But I tell you, when it's Gordyville Sale Week, that town comes to life. Every restaurant is full. Every hotel is full. Um, people that, that don't even plan to buy a horse go to Gordyville because it is the social event of the year. Very good. Well, our next guest is uh, helps out at other social event of the year. <laughs> our next guest is Pauline Hessen, and Pauline is the horse superintendent at the Iowa State Fair. And as we've always talked about, Iowa State Fair has been voted one of the top state fairs in America for, for many, many years. It, it brings agriculture. It brings family. It, it brings food together, as Glenn has talked about. It is just an amazing fair. And like I said, Pauline was a volunteer at the fair for many years, and then she took over the role in 2011 as our horse superintendent. And something that I never knew about Pauline she is a former hot corn dog eating champion. So, Pauline, we have to lead into, I had no idea that you could eat so many corn dogs. <laughs> I had no idea that I did either. <laughs> well, I had no idea I was a corn dog eating. <laughs> nope. Then I'm telling you that Lynn Talene has set us up again. Uh, he put that in there just to mess with us. Uh, it, you know why he did that? Because... He said, write up a bio, and I said, I don't know what to write. (laughs) (laughs) That was your first mistake, because I better prefer Uh, the rest of our... Do you even like corn dogs, Pauline? (laughs) Oh, I like corn dogs, but one a day is about enough for me. Yeah, I was thinking, corn dogs would be tough. I mean, a regular hot dog in a bun, but a corn dog, God, you could only eat a couple of those. That would be tough. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Well, he got us so now yeah, now we're going to be on the hunt me. to get back yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but back to Paul, like i said Polly, we we've, we've been friends for years we've worked the the state fair for many many years and in 2011 you took over from lynette to lean lynette had helped to build the iowa state fair in to a to a draft horse competition that people were attracted to they wanted to come there because it is well organized and it is well ran and a great facility. The Jacobson Center was built so we can showcase the draft horse show inside. It's air conditioned. It's probably one of the prettiest buildings on the fairgrounds. But you took over in a role, and I think one thing that is is important is that you took over this role because you learned and stepped and worked and worked. It wasn't like you were from a huge draft horse family. This is something that you mentored under Lynette for many years. So how was that step when they asked you, do you want to become the superintendent? Was your first thought to run or was your first thought, let's do this? Well, I did run because they, Lynette asked me and she said, are you sure? And I said, Lynette, I have worked here, but I, I don't think I can do this. I don't think I can be in charge of such a great show. And so I, that's how it was left for a while. And I love the fair so much. I, after, oh, I don't know, a couple of months, I called Lynette and I said, have you got anybody to fill that spot? And she said, no. And I said, I don't want to see it fall. I, I don't want to see somebody take it over that doesn't have a passion for the horses and the exhibitors. Um, I will go ahead and do it. And so from there, that's history. I, I, uh, I have learned a lot. I learned a lot. I'm so thankful that I worked with Lynette because, um, I respect her uh, judgment. I respect 
uh, how she interacts with the exhibitors, her knowledge on horses, her knowledge on shows. She has, she taught me everything. And I, yeah, I just admire her. Well, good. And I know that she, still to this day there if you need her Lynn they're they're there to help you but we're going to talk about the Iowa State Fair and as I said they Iowa State Fair has been always in the top of the best state fairs and it it is because of not only the historical facility the fairground is amazing the theme of the fair each year is nothing compares what do you feel makes the Iowa State Fair or that fairground different than other shows and state fairs the first thing that comes to mind when you say that is I feel that the Iowa state fair is committed to agriculture. And truthfully, if you don't have agriculture, you just have a carnival at a state fair. It's a lot of vendors, a lot of rides when you're committed to the agriculture part of it. um, We are extremely committed to the livestock, educating the public and most of all committed to our exhibitors. We want it. We want them to have a great experience while they're there, at, from the entry process all the way up to when they leave to go home. So I, sure. I truly think that that is one of the most important things that makes it different. Right. We and also you have, and I have a great crew. I was going to say, you and I have been there from the days when we were in the pavilion, and that is a Correct. historical building. It was beautiful, but it was small. I, I don't remember. Could we fit maybe two or three six horse hitches in there? And it had the announcer's box where we all sat was in the middle. And when the big hitches come in, they wheeled us up in the air because they needed the room. And, and, and that building is still there. We don't show in it, but family memories were made in that pavilion. You can look back at history and Iowa state fair is very good about documenting uh, with pictures you see such as the Sparrow family going back to the generations when Dick Sparrow was a young man and and Paul and his brothers and sisters were younger. They were showing in that pavilion and now Mm -hmm. we're in the modern Jacobson center and families like the Sparrows are still there. Yes. Yeah. And I remember the time, I don't know if you do, but when the six horse hitch came over the announcer stand in the pavilion, you remember that? (laughs) I, I, do <laughs> I do remember that? <laughs> well, we always have fun, but <laughs> yes, exactly. All right, so we're, well, we're going to get back to it. Is a prestigious draft horse show, and this year is a big year for the Iowa State Fair, the Iowa State Fairgrounds, because for the first time that I ever recall, you are going to be home to three national shows in addition to being the host facility for the World Pertrin Congress. I don't think there's ever been, you know, Indiana State Fair has a tremendous draft horse show as well, and, and they've hosted some of the world shows. But one time for Iowa and you and your crew, you're going to be, as I said, hosting the Nationals. You're going to have the National Pertrin Show, uh, the National Clydesdale Show for the first time moving back to Iowa, and the National Shire Show along with the are participating. So what is this year going to be like for you and your crew? Stressful. <laughs> I think it will You're be honest. fun, but it, I'm honest. It, it's uh, whenever you anticipate more horses 
uh, you know, you have to make sure that you have all the proper uh, people in place to help take care of that. And we do. I have an absolutely wonderful, wonderful crew. Um, they know what to do. They know when to do it. And we just work well together. It's going to be such a treat for the public to have the Clydesdales. The one question I get asked at the fair, or not just me, at the fair, they go, where's all the Clydesdales? Or they'll say about a perchment, is that a Clydesdale? You know, they're so in tune to that because of Budweiser, you know, but it's going right. to be fun. It's an honor for us to have three of those, three of those shows, uh, the national shows at our facility. And I know one question that I've heard is stalling. Are you anticipating having to do anything different, bring in a tent or, you know, the historic draft horse barn only houses so many across the street, a more modern building that has, has nice stalls as well. Are you anticipating filling everything or, or what's the projection for all of these world, these shows coming together at the same time, because you're going to house the national Pertrand and the national Clydesdale at the same time. Mm-hmm. At this point, I don't have that answer for you. Um, we will wait and see what happens with our numbers, you know, as it gets closer and then we can make any decisions if we need to. But at this point, I would tell you, uh, it will be as it is every year until we see that something needs to be changed. Okay. So tell me the hardest part of your job, your superintendent and being superintendent. <coughs> tell me about your job. I, you know, my job, truthfully, is really easy because of the crew that I have. Um, Granted, there are decisions that you have to make sometimes that can only come down from the person in charge. And unfortunately, there has to be somebody in charge. It's just how it is. Uh, But, um, the hardest, the hardest part of my job, I would say, would be that first show that you want to make sure everybody's on time and tune and then get them in the arena and get them out. Making sure stuff starts on time. To me, that's very important for not only the audience, but for the exhibitors. Um, so that, to me, would be one of the hardest things. The other thing would be when people, we have a deadline at the fair. And when they miss that deadline to sign up to come, uh, it is hard to tell them no, but there's rules for a reason. And we've had to do that. And I, I don't like that, but it is the rules. And so we have to follow those. So, uh, you, you know, as in your job and things happen and sometimes they don't seem funny at the time, but when you look back, it was one of the funniest things that you, you've experienced. So what was one of those things at the fair that when you look back on it, you went, okay, that was pretty funny. Well, you know, some of them, I could tell you now and you go, that was funny because (laughs) that's just how stuff is. (laughs) But we had a, a lot of our fun takes place after the shows are over and we sat in that bar and office and talk and there was a a gal that came in a couple years ago with a halter she was a mini exhibitor but she came in with a halter uh, wanting to know if uh she had 
purchased a horse at the fair, which is not supposed to happen. And, um, but then it all transpired into her boyfriend beating up her sister. I mean, it was just went on and on from a horse down to beating up another person in her family. And we were all rolling because we had no idea what she was talking about. She was just rolling with it. So that was one funny, funny experience. Um, there's a lot of other stuff, but truthfully, I, well, I, Pauline, well, I, I got to ask, I have, I have to jump in there. Okay. I have to jump in there because I have 20 years of memories at that fair. And I have to say, Pauline, you and I both know that the day that the miniature judge got her car towed, was one of our funniest days. Oh yes, that is that was one of the funniest things. I agree because and also the she time. Came in, yes, go ahead. Well, she came into the office and she looked Polly square in the <laughs> eyes and she shook her finger and she said, "Mama ain't happy. My car's gone." <laughs> so that's kind of been our theme when things go bad. There, Mama's not happy. Mama ain't happy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's a T-shirt. Mama ain't happy. I, <laughs> Oh, yeah, I forgot about that one. And that's why I'm glad you're, yeah, because there's other things. <laughs> one time, one of the judges, I think, had Alzheimer's for the for the um, mini also, and he got lost. We couldn't, we didn't know where he was. And one time he lost his car. I, he was glad, he was lucky to get out of the state of Iowa. But, <laughs> yeah, he was, yeah you know, you just never know. <laughs> well, and I have to say one of my others was the day that one of the pony exhibitors it wasn't funny. I do not mean this is funny, but literally had a stroke in the cart class, fell over. We got oh everything God. stopped. They took her out to take her to the ambulance and her husband propped her back up and said, I'm sending her back in. And we, we had to say, no, <laughs> she can't come back in the ring. She has to go to the hospital. <laughs> so not Pauline's being generous when she talks about the draft horses, but I got Iowa state fair last year. Yeah, had 192 miniature horses. Yeah, and it's, it's literally, it's, it's all you brief, bring right? three horses and you can be in 30 classes. So yeah, there's, there's a large number of horses. And nothing scares a draft horse in, in a lot of cases or any horse more than a mini. <laughs> Their first experience with minis is always fun to watch. I got to ask you this. We talk about this all the time with events and dressage shows and outdoor events. It seems like every event, it doesn't matter how large it is, four star down to down to novice level, there's a horse that gets loose. Does that happen at draft horse shows? We have had it happen at draft horse shows. We've had them where they're in the halter or Jacobson showing at halter and the lead the lead rope breaks and they'll come barrel them back out. And one time, <laughs> this has been, I don't know, three years ago, but one of them got loose and in our arena, when the Belgians and Shires show, the um, minis are on one side of the arena and then the drafts are on the other. And that draft horse came running out and it was out in the warm-up arena. And we thought, oh, my gosh, if that we would have oh, had the gates closed, <laughs> that draft horse would have scrambled those minis. Oh, I mean, no. It was, do you remember that, Lisa? <laughs> Scared those minis oh, to I death. <laughs> <laughs> they oh, yeah. Scatter. That was not good. <laughs> That if you uh, had had a video yeah. of that now, it would be have a million views. It would be, it would go viral. It would. Absolutely, <laughs> it would have a million views. Absolutely. So that's in our. Uh, as far as I'm getting away, you know, outside the barn, I don't remember that ever happening. Okay. But yeah, inside the arena, they that's have. only with thoroughbreds, apparently. 
Yeah. Well, it <laughs> well, happened when we've had our society, so yeah. And that, that's, again, not only draft horses, miniatures, ponies, but the society horses she's dealing with as well. And I, I always have to, I'm thankful that I just announced all the draft and, What's and the mini society horses? I don't think I've of, heard that term before. Arabians and Frisians. Okay. I wasn't it's, sure. What, it's the I've more never show heard horses. It, yeah, I never heard it put that way before. But for many days, well, yeah. when the draft horses are done, their their crew's still there for three or four more hours because they are working another whole light horse set. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So, Pauline, they do you have a favorite day of the fair? A favorite day of the fair? Fair or a favorite class of the show that you like to watch? Because a lot of times you're down in the gate area helping to keep things organized, but is there one class that draws you to the gate to watch? I like the sixes. I would tell you that uh, I like all the other classes, but it's just getting those sixes hooked and into the arena and maneuvered around in the warm up area and maneuvered around in the uh, pavilion or the uh, arena. It's it's impressive. It's very impressive. And I, and I like and to watch the audience reaction to that. Right. Cause we fill the Jacob. It is paid. You have to pay to get in to watch it, but we fill that arena on most nights where, you know, not only is it air conditioned, but you're going to go to the fair and see a piece of history being brought back with, with the, whether they're fans of whatever breed they're a fan of that arena is, is a great, Great place to showcase the draft horses. So that's going to lead me into my next big question because we know the fair, uh, and I'll give you the dates, are August 9th through the 19th. That's the entire um, two weeks of the fair. But one thing that is going to be happening in October is that World Perturing Congress. And I know we're all gearing up for it. It is going to be the celebration of the Perturing Horse, both farming, showing, halter, it is writing. It is the overall show to put the spotlight on the, on the beautiful portraits. Your crew is going to play a big, big role in this. Tell us a little bit about the history of this event at the Iowa State Fair and your team, what, what they're working for already to get ready for it. Well, this is the second time that the uh, Congress has been at the fair. It was there in uh, the fairgrounds. It was there in 2010 also. Um, we are... Now starting to get ready, of course, you know, there's only so many things you can do up to a point before these shows start, but we're working on the schedule, making sure we have people lined up to haul the uh, shavings and deliver ice and bedding and um, someone to run the office. So we'll be running basically at the Congress. We'll be doing exactly what we do at the fair. Uh, it'll, um, we'll get the horses in and out of the arena, uh, manage the office and, be responsible for all of the uh, logistics in the barns. It's going to, it's, it's going to be a lot. And right now, go ahead. I was just going to say, we're going to really plug this during the state fair that we hope no matter what breed they support, that they come out to watch the Pertrans. So how do oh, you feel absolutely. the general public? What, how are we getting them to come to the show? I mean, I know, I know we're promoting it a lot, but from your perspective, it has to be the love for the horse. Correct. Correct. The love and, for the horse. And you know, and, there are. And,
there are some people that I have met at the fair that uh, they come to every draft horse event that there is, and they they love it. They come up for the love of the the breed, the love of the uh, arena, the love of the fair, the love of the exhibitors. They act, they are just state fair junkies, you know, a lot of them, but they specifically love the breed. Right. And a lot of people come to the fair specifically, they say to watch the draft horses, they park in rock Island, they walk over to the draft horse barn and that is their yearly feel with the draft horses. But now we're going to go from August till October, which isn't a, isn't a long time. And to get them back to, again, see the versatility of the Percheron horses and promote this Congress. I've had a chance to work with several Congresses and world shows and all the breeds. Nothing has ever been supported like the Iowa State Fair Congress or, you know, at the Iowa State Fairgrounds. That year watching in 2010, watching those hitches come in into an arena that was sold out, packed and cheered. People cheered just as loud for 10th place as they did for first place. And the structure of your buildings, people can walk through. Our exhibitors turn the barns into beautiful um, displays honoring their horses and their farms. It it really is a historical event. Yes, and we had people inquire at the fair this past year when the Congress was when the when the tickets were going to go on sale. Iowans love draft. Iowans love draft. So it's it's not been a hard sell for us. It they just like to come and we'll fill those arenas again in October. Yeah, and it really is a one-stop shop. If you're thinking of a, a family vacation, the fall is beautiful. The camp, you'll have a camp facility where they can bring their campers. There's food there, um, lots of local activities. You can go see some of the farms, the breeding farms that are in the area. But most importantly, you can stay there and, and watch horse shows in the arena where, where we're going to crown the champions in the halter, well, the hitches, but farming as well. It, can you give them a little shout out to their farming classes? They will be having farming. They'll have a farm team race, the feed team race. They'll have log skid. They will have a farm vehicle. They will have um, barrel racing. I know that's not really a farm, but it's along the lines, barrel racing. A lot of the right. people that are going to participate in the barrel racing and the uh, farm team races are also those that compete in the log skidding and the uh, plowing event. So um, if you haven't seen a farm team class, they are very interesting. And it's back to the old, that's how they used to do their work. It's how they used to get the logs from one place to another. It's how they used to, uh, you know, maneuver through the fences and the creeks and all, everything. So it's, it it is it's a it's a, a trip to the past is what it is. Perfect. Well, we're going to wrap up now. But Iowa State Fair, August ninth through the nineteenth, the first week for the draft horses is going to be featuring the Belgians and the National Shire Show, as well as the miniatures. Then they leave on Tuesday, Wednesday. You kind of regroup the barn, and then on Thursday we're going to start with our National Pertron show and the National Clydesdale show and we'll have our um, pony division. So lots of activity August 9th through the 19th at 
the Iowa State Fair, which their logo, nothing compares, and, and that's a true statement. And then we're gearing up for October for that World Pertron Congress to be held right there at the Iowa State Fairground. So, Pauline, always fun talking to you. We have so many memories that we probably couldn't discuss them if we had two hours. So, nice to have you with us, and, and we're going to maybe try to get you entered into some corn dog eating contests this year. Oh, okay, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> have a great day. All right. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, I still think my limit would be two. I don't think I can do two corn dogs. I still think Lynn set us up. He did set us up. There's no question about that. He definitely (laughs) set us up. Well, Jennifer, we were talking about the World Percheron Congress. Tell us more with all the details. Well, it's coming up. America is hosting the greatest of events for the world's most popular draft horse, the World Percheron Congress, is returning to Iowa on October 8th through the 13th at the historic Iowa State Fairgrounds. The World Percheron Congress celebrates and honors the great breed's history, versatility, power, power, and of course, intelligence. It will be a worldwide celebration with breed ambassadors coming from Colombia, South America, Australia, Great Britain, Italy, Germany, and of course, France. Hundreds of Percheron horses from all over North America will also be competing in the farm classes, confirmation classes, hitch classes, riding classes, youth classes, horse pulls, a full futurity, all adorable, a two-year-old jackpot competition, and even barrel racing. Talk about thunder. The celebrity drive-off will leave you laughing, as Glenn knows, and the Drive for the Cure charity cart class will have you in tears as the arena turns pink in recognition of Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Vendors from harness shops to artists and everything in between will have something for everyone, so it's a shopping extravaganza. And the Percheron Horse Association of America invites you and your family to become part of the largest gathering of Percheron draft horses anywhere, anytime. It's an event like you've never seen before. Expect to have a great time and be impressed and even awed and perhaps take home a horse. For details and a complete schedule or to buy your World Percheron Congress merchandise, visit them on the web at worldpercheroncongress.us and on Facebook at World Percheron Congress. Or you can visit Lisa at the Clyde Sales Store and more. So there you go. Very good. And what's coming up here, Lisa? Well, we have some exciting things coming up in our draft horse industry. It is sale month. February is big in our industry for sales. If you are looking in the Ohio area, the LaRue Horse and Tax Sale will be February 3rd. On February 5th, a special workhorse sale at Kelowna, Iowa. February 20th through 23rd, the Mid-America Draft Horse Sale, Gordyville, as we've talked about here in central Illinois, over 500 head of draft horses going through with a tremendous showcasing of, of vendors and associations, breeds all being represented. And then February 21st, the Mel's Stable Draft Horse Sale in New Holland, Pennsylvania. I just want to give a shout out that February 9th, I'll be heading to Tampa, hopefully your weather stays good, for the Shire Horse Association's annual meeting. And also we're going to plug that Harley Troyer Sale, the Colorado Draft Horse and Equipment Auction is April 20th through the 21st. So 
some really good things coming up in our draft horse industry. You brought some a memory back, Mel Stable. They have all kinds of sales there in New Holland, Pennsylvania. And years ago, I mean, 20 <laughs> years ago, they were still doing it. And we bought two ponies at Mel's sale. And you, in those days, you got a free steak dinner that they were making on the grill. So we got two steak dinners. I had to buy two ponies because Jennifer was hungry. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, Mel well, Stable. Well, I had a, I had a memory when we were talking about funny memories from Iowa and it, and it kind of relates back to you because in the olden days when we were in the pavilion showing, we had a, a celebrity driving competition every year at the fair and we would have four or five local celebrities and one of my my memories that I'd always laugh would be they would get the weather girl or they would get um, some cheerleader head or somebody like that and they would come in the t- tightest, shortest dresses <laughs> And we would laugh on how, how, first off, watching them get on the wagon, but second, the etiquette when they're sitting on the seat with their dress, it, it would, it was a, it was a good memory because most of them would Try either drop their, their lines or they pull, <laughs> yeah, it, it, you know, we would just laugh and say, you know, probably not going to make driving into one of your, your professions. Now, and high so, heels on the wagon doesn't a, usually go well either. <laughs> no, it's, it's hard to stay step up and hard to step down and worse <laughs> if the horse steps on you. So yeah, that's, that's not good, but it just re- reminded me of, of you and your celebrity driving. Not that you didn't dress appropriately. Uh, I dressed appropriately, but it did. I was, I was a uh, king of knocking over every cone in the arena. I was, yeah, I thought for a while, I thought that was what your goal, I go, my was, goal was to, to hit many... every cone. That's correct. I did. I accomplished my well, goal by the end. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, between you and, and Katie, you, you, hit quite a few orange cones there. Oh, well, who was the vet too, Dr. Um, the TV show? Um, Dr. Pohl. Dr. Pohl. I can honestly say I was better than Dr. Pohl. So I, I can say that he had a you know, tough but time. but I have to say his, <laughs> his wife, his wife. Oh, yeah. Ex- did extremely well. Diane did yeah. extremely well. So she, yeah, we're, she all, did well. we're all shooting for a rematch. <laughs> That's funny. We can't bring Wendy back. Good she was like memories. a ringer. Uh, she just drove. Yeah, she those, was a professional. Yeah, she drove those horses around with no trouble at all. So no Dr. Wendy at that one. Well, that was fun. What about the Clydesdale store? What's going on over there? Well, Clydesdale store and more. Find us on Facebook. Find us on the web. You can order anything. We ship the next business day. Um, right, right now we're kicking off February and we're going to do feature February. So we're going to feature each week, feature an item and. And we're gearing up for the Kentucky Derby. And, you know, part of my biggest seller is our hats that the ladies wear in the arena for driving hats. So with the Kentucky Derby coming up, we're going to have derby discounts. So we're going to start featuring hats. And then we're so honored to have the World Pertron Congress store. Uh, And you can find that on Facebook as well, WPC store and more. And you are going to have all kinds of merchandise to promote that upcoming world show. And we're going to continue to do the feature February on that as well. We have the drive for the cure items, which that tugs at everybody's heartstrings. It is a beautiful logo with a cart horse all decked out in pink. And anytime you buy anything from the drive for the cure, 100% of the proceeds are going to be going to cancer research. And their goal is $10,000. So by buying one of those shirts Uh, We hope that you will support that industry. February, Valentine's Day, a great place to go shop at the Clydesdale store and more or the Pertrin store, World Pertrin Congress store and more. So make sure to just follow us on Facebook or you can go and link into us and 
we have some great merchandise and we're going to do some good sales. And we really want to plug that breast cancer research and, and the drive for the cure class. And don't forget to subscribe to the Draft Horse Journal. They're the ones that make this episode happen every month. Go to drafthorsejournal.com. If you're interested in draft horses at all, then you need to get the Draft Horse Journal. It is like, it is the publication in the draft horse world. And if you're not getting it now, you should be. It's it's not that expensive and it's worth uh, it's worth every penny you pay to get that delivered. Uh, it's drafthorsejournal.com is where you find that. For links to today's guest and show notes, go to horsesinthemorning.com. If you go there, there's a little down in the middle of the homepage at horsesinthemorning.com. You'll see the Draft Horse logo. Click on that, and it'll bring up all the episodes that we have done over the years, so you can go take a listen to past episodes as well. You can find all of the shows from the Horse Radio Network, all 16 of them, on the app, iOS or Android. Just search for Horse Radio Network. It's free. It's easy to use. It's one of the simplest ways to listen to all of our shows. We just started a new Arabian show, so you'll find it on there as well. And uh, we want to thank our sponsors, World Percheron Congress, the Mid-America Draft Horse Sale, Ship Shawana Harness and Supplies, the World Clydesdale Show, and of course, the Clydesdale Store and more. Well, have fun in Tampa. It'll be a little warmer than where you are now, Lisa. I promise Amen. you. Amen. I promise you. I promise you. It'll be warmer than there. So uh, well, I, I think you'll enjoy it. Tampa's a great town, too. Great. Well, thanks for a great show. Thanks so much. And, and we'll be following up on our uh, Heavy Horses in the Morning Facebook account. So stay tuned. And it, uh, that sounds great. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow, Friday. Uh, Jamie's back. And we'll have a normal Friday episode with some really bad ads. So get those into Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com. <laughs>